I am glad that each of you have the time to share with me this morning and I'm just so excited to tell you about Deborah and Jael as we continue our study of women of the Bible. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, okay, so who was Deborah? Let's start there. Who was Deborah? Well, Deborah was a judge of Israel in approximately 1125 BC. So we're talking 3100, 3100 years ago. So a judge in Israel is a tribal leader who, in times of peace, had the authority to settle disputes and problems, a little bit like a normal judge today. But in times of war, acted as a rallying point to gather the tribes and organize resistance and was you know, really somebody who was in charge, was a leader of the people. And so Deborah was a leader of the people at this time. She is she's the only woman judge mentioned in the book of Judges. And the people of her, her time, they had no difficulty in accepting her as their judge. So this suggests to us that judges were seen as people called by God and their gender was unimportant. This is over 3,000 years ago. The people of Israel didn't care about their gender. They accepted Deborah just as she was, and they accepted her as somebody who was called by God for a certain purpose. Wow, 3,000 years ago. How crazy is that? Okay, so we're going to tell Deborah's story in four parts. It's not just Deborah. It's Deborah and Jael. Jael. We'll explain that later. Jael comes in a little bit later, and I may be saying her name wrong. It's J-A-E-L, but uh, she's pretty cool too. So, okay. The first part is understanding the background, understanding the oppression that the people of Israel were dealing with. So Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through one through 3. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Okay, so the Canaanites were led by King Jabin. His goal was to restore Canaan's power by killing and getting rid of the Israelite invaders. So if you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, or if you've heard the story about the Exodus, what happens? Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, and they go to Canaan, and they start taking over lands. They start taking over towns. They start taking over the promised land. Well, so they're killing people, and they're pushing people out. Well, King Jabin is like, wait a second. No, 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 no. Let's unite Let's unite and take our lands back. And so he starts to take the land back for the people of Canaan. Say, we want to get these Israelites out of here. We want to get them out of our land. We want to take our land back. We want to reclaim what was once ours. So that's what's, what happens. And the Israelites are having problem leadership troubles. And so uh, the, you know, they're, they're being oppressed and they're losing. And so uh, you know, then what happens? What is the Lord going to do? Said for 20 years, they were oppressed and they cried to the Lord for help. Where is the help going to come from? Okay. Judges chapter four, starting at verse four, going through verse nine. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands to you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. 
I will lead Sisera, the commander of Javan's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. So we're first introduced to Deborah. She's referred to as a prophet. A prophet was not somebody who foretold the future, but they heard a message from God in some way and passed it on. And often the messages were about calling the people to be obedient to God and faithful to God, to listen to what God said, to do what God said. If you do what God says, all our problems are going to go away. So let's do what God says. And right now God is saying we need to attack. We need to attack Sisera and we need to do it at the Kishon River. So let's do this. And Barak, who's uh, this reluctant, he's reluctant to enter into battle against Sisera, the commander of King Jabin's army. Uh, we can understand it. The Canaanites had a professional army and they had chariots and they had weapons made of iron. And they, uh, Barak had a militia of citizens who were from some of the 12 tribes, but not all the tribes came and helped uh, to their disgrace. And so Barak's like, we can't fight this guy. We can't fight this army. We're going to get slaughtered. There's no way. And so he says, well, I, I'll only go if you come with me. And she said, well, of course I'm coming. Of course I'm going to come. So she seemed to have this, Deborah seemed to have this charisma that's needed to convince people that they could win, to, to rally the troops, to get people on board, to encourage and to build, in, build up in them trust and excitement and, and to, to cast a vision and say, yes, this is going to happen. The force of her past personality and her complete faith in God gave Barak the faith and the courage he needed to face odds that were overwhelming. And the fact that she was willing to go, I mean, she was willing to go. She was willing to put her own life on the line for this. She was willing to go and say, I will stand next to you and I will go with you and we will do this together. I mean, how powerful is that as a leader to have someone who tells you to do something difficult or says, God is calling us to do something difficult, but you don't have to do it alone. I am going to come with you. I am. We are going to do this together. How powerful is that? So Deborah, a woman of great courage, a woman of great vision, certainly had charisma and everything needed to, to, to get Barack on board and to get things headed in the right direction for the people of God. Okay, so the second part, the actual battle itself. Uh, Judges chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harasheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River all his men, and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah said to Brock, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim and all Sisera's troop fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Not a man was left. They killed them all. So the enemy had hundreds of iron-wheeled chariots, and they had uh, weapons that could crush the Israelites, and, and, and they're ready to go. They come in super, super confident. But Deborah tricks them into driving these chariots onto marshy land, right? The river valley. Come down to the river. Uh, and we'll fight him at the river. So this is marshy land where the chariots, the chariots get stuck. The chariots and the horses, they get stuck. And so they can't go around 
uh, they, they, they can't, they, they, the chariots are useless. The chariots are actually in the way now. They're not helpful at all. So then the Israelite archers and slingshot sharpshooters start picking them off one by one. I mean, this is incredibly ironic because the Canaanites had a god named Baal, who was the god of storms and weather. Yet the Canaanites lost the battle because of rain, because it rained and because they were in the river valley and it was marshy and it was their chariots got stuck. And there they were sitting targets for arrows and rocks. And so they just started take, picking them off one by one. And all of a sudden the army's like, we're, we're, we got to go. We got to retreat. And so they start running away. Sisera starts running away. They have to leave their chariots behind because they're stuck. And so they start running away. And as they start running away, the Israelites are like, go get them. And they went and they got all of them. So then Sisera, who's the, 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 the general, the Canaanite general, he fled from the battlefield towards an encampment of women where he met a woman called Jael, Jael the, the Kenite. And so that's part three. Part three, Sisera flees. And so going now, Judges 4, verses 17 through 24. Uh, as he passed by her tent, Jael called the unwary Sisera into her tent. He was, uh, he was exhausted and desperate for a refuge. She hid him and fed him, and he fell into a deep sleep. Then she calmly took one of her tent pegs and with one blow, hammered it through the side of her head. Hammered it through the side of uh, his head. So she says, come on into my tent. Relax. I'll hide you. Everything will be okay. Come on in. Here, relax. Let me give you something to eat. Lay down. Rest. I'll make sure nobody comes and bothers you. And so she's alone in her tent. At this point in Israelite history, uh, men, it was common that men would have many wives, and so each wife would have their own tent. So she, ha- she said, this guy's running by. She, hey, come on in, come on in. And so he falls asleep, and she takes one of her tent pegs and a hammer right through the temple, right through the temple. It's like, oh, it's gruesome, right? Uh, it's, it's really gruesome. But surely she understood that this was a man who had, you know, he was a general in an army. And so he was superior to her in physical strength. And she realized that she couldn't do anything to him if he's awake or if he's expecting her to do something. So she says, come on in. And she, he lets his guard down and she takes a tent peg to the side of his head and boom, right through. It's graphic, right? But she was called and hailed as a, a, a hero by the Israelites because of what she did, because this man was a terrible man and did terrible things to the Israelites. And so after this, this is where we find Deborah's legacy, the fourth thing, and it's really quick and really short. Uh, Deborah's legacy, Judges chapter 5, verse 31. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Deborah, this leader of the nation of Israel, Deborah, this woman of, of great wisdom, this woman of great charisma, she led the people of Israel into 40 years, a generation of peace after 20 years of oppression and violence. Deborah was the judge who did that. So if you're reading the Old Testament and there's a, they're talking about kings or judges, here's how you know if they were a good king or a good judge. Was there peace or was there conflict? If there was peace then that, that, was, that was somebody who was successful in their job, according to the Bible. And so Deborah, then, is somebody who was successful in what she did uh, and had 40 years of peace. This is 3,100 years ago that Deborah was able to do that. 
Okay, so just to close the story, there's two central themes of Deborah's story. Two big things that we can learn from. And I should say Deborah's and Jael. I mean, she was she's an important part of the story too. First is trust in God. The Israelites put their faith in God. They did not think that they were fighting a battle they could win, but they trusted God. And when Deborah said, God said, we're going to do this, they believed that. And when Deborah said, this is the day, we go today, they trusted that. And they followed God the voice of God, which came through Deborah, right? Uh, And so in return, God grants them this victory over a force that they didn't think they could win. They gained valuable territory by doing that. They, uh, and they had 40 years of peace. What's important to say is that by winning this battle, they were able to to gain more land. And this is very fertile land where they were able to grow cotton grow crops. And, uh, you know, and so it, it was a really big deal for the Israelites. And so uh, they trusted in God. They trusted that when Deborah said something, they trusted that it was the Lord speaking to them and that the Lord was going to bless them. The Lord was going to be with them. And it happened. And then the two, the, the second big theme here is wisdom beats strength. Wisdom beats strength. Uh, Jael's story is similar to the story of David and Goliath, right? Though she was a weak woman, where David clearly was weaker than Goliath, uh, she was able to triumph over a seemingly invincible warrior, right? We have the story of uh, Sisera and the story of Goliath, these, these men who were, you know, big, uh, big warriors, you know, and well known for, for their ability to, uh, to fight and to kill. And yet here, um, Jael and, and David win by not, by not overpowering them, but by striking them in the temple. I mean, how, how, you know, wisdom beats strength. Not only that, I mean, this story ridicules the Canaanite warriors. Being murdered by a weak woman was a shameful way to die for a soldier. And so this, you know, this story, it had a lasting impact for generations, right? People are like, well, you know, an Israelite woman took down your, your biggest warrior, your, you know, your strongest, your whatever. I mean, that's the kind of thing that will leave an impact and cause somebody to feel ashamed. Now, the last point I want to make is back to the very beginning. The people of Israel believed that if someone was called by God to be a leader, it didn't matter what their gender was. 3,100 years ago. 3,100 years ago. We are still having that argument today. Could God call a female, a woman, to be a pastor? Well, as member at ELCA, we say, well, of course. But it's only in the last 50 years we've gotten there. And there's still other denominations who haven't gotten there. And it's like, well, how do you explain Deborah then? Okay, you don't believe a woman has the gifts to become a leader in the church. How do you explain Deborah? 3,100 years ago. I just don't get it. I mean, obviously, the Lord is going to choose who the Lord is going to choose. The Lord is going to call who the Lord is going to call. And they are put in a place to serve God and to, to serve God's people. Let's just trust the Lord. Let's just trust the Lord. So that's what I would say here uh, about Deborah and uh, the impact that Deborah had. And uh, can't tell Deborah's story without Jael. So a uh, very great story, very cool story about how two women, two women helped defeat this incredible army that the Israelites were like, we have no chance against. It was two women. So how powerful 
uh, is that. So we will stop there for today. Uh, thank you so much again for joining me. Hope you all have a wonderful day. And next week, we are going to look at villains in the Bible. Villains in the Bible. The, who are the Bible characters who are the enemies of God people? The enemies of God's people who are the villains? Who are the people who are uh, stand in the way? And, uh, and so we'll, we'll take a look at them and uh, have a study about them. So that'll be next week, starting Monday morning. And uh, thanks again for joining me. Everyone have a great, great weekend. Take good care of yourself. Protect yourself. Uh, and we will see you Monday and, uh, and hopefully see you again sometime very soon.